Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kierens. I'm your host here each and every week as we do our best to introduce you to those artists and designers who bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. This week is very exciting. We are up to episode number 31, 30 y uno. We crushed the 30-pack, and the party is still going. So 30-pack plus one. And this week, we are featuring Kevin Simo. He is the co-founder of Fairfolk. Fairfolk is a design-driven creative shop out of the Boston, Massachusetts area. We came to learn of Kevin through his friendship and the story of how he helped with the design and bringing... Trillium to life for the wedding of JC and Esther, the the founders and the power couple behind one of my favorite breweries in the country, Trillium Brewing Company, which is just continually blowing up and expanding, uh, and it's really exciting to to see that for them. Kevin's company, Fairfolk, does some great work. They work with New Balance, Warrior, Sports, they do stuff with hockey and lacrosse, as well as some fashion clients. And it just really, if you get a chance to check them out on the Instagram, Fair Folk Graham, you can also check them out via the World Wide Web's fairfolk.com. If you have yet to go over to check out Trillium, please do so, trilliumbrewing.com. You're listening to the 16 ounce canvas, the art of craft beer podcast. So let's get all the administrative stuff out of the way. You can check us out via our website, 16ozcanvas.com. 16ozcanvas is how you find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we want to thank those of you who are continuing to use our hashtag, pound sign, tic-tac-toe16ozcanvas. Make sure you use that. Throw that up there whenever you see some artwork that you really enjoy. Or maybe you're an artist. Or maybe there's an artist you'd like us to check out. Whatever it is, we're checking those on the regular. We do appreciate it. It means a lot to us. We do appreciate that you have taken the time to join us here each and every week at the 16-Ounce Canvas. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. So on this week's episode, we have a lot, a lot of content to get to. So we decided that this is going to be a two-part extravaganza. You're currently listening to part one or... 31A of the podcast, and we will cut it in half around the hour mark, so this will be good. Maybe we'll try, if things like this happen in the future, if this gets well-received, maybe we'll continue to do things like that. You may have noticed on the website, we're trying some different formats to make sure that we continue to showcase the art and design of our artists, but some of the feedback we've gotten from the past of the transcription of the interviews, given colloquialisms you know, flow of conversations and how things are portrayed or read, not really bringing the character or the the connection of the interview to life. We've made some adjustments for that. And so right now what we're doing, if you head on over to the interview section, you'll see that we're taking the interviews and while we're editing them, we're taking out kind of a little preview audio players and giving you some some teaser sections of that. So we have a few up there from from Kevin's. Obviously you listen to the podcast now. But we started that last week with, with Nick Gamma of Hops and Branding. And we really feel that this might be the, the next wave of the future here for us here at the 16-ounce canvas. We're also trying with quotes, utilization of some video. We'll see where that goes. And uh, you know, keep pushing the envelope. Keep having fun. We're trying to talk about art and design. So it's uh, you, know, you got to take some chances once in a while if we our baseball players, and we only hit 300, then we're going to be in the the Hall of Fame. So we're going to keep moving forward. But without further ado, this is episode number 31 featuring Kevin Simo right here on the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Enjoy, my friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Really excited to have with us Kevin Simo, founder of Fairfolk. We came to learn of Kevin through his work with Trillium Brewing, uh, based out of Massachusetts. How are you doing today, Kevin? 
Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so really excited uh, to have you. As we were talking about before, when we first started kind of bouncing around the idea of the project, it stuck with us. We liked the idea of doing it. But then I thought to myself, is that, like, am I going to be able to find these people? Like, how, like, it was very secretive back then. So I think now, over the last few years, at least it's kind of breweries are more um, releasing who does the work and are more supportive of that. And But the beauty of it, like I was saying to Kevin before, if you go to Trillium's page, they have a beautiful, huge, you know, posting that there was a kind of a repost from a, a magazine article that featured uh, Kevin and, and the crew over there from Boston, mm-hmm. Maga- Boston Magazine. So that to me was like, that was literally one of the first ones I found. I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. And so I, I've been bothering Kevin for a long time. So thank you, Kevin, for, for making the time. <laughs> nice. No problem. Yeah, that was a while ago. And I actually, I remember doing that interview and uh, uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking. So I think I'll do a little bit better this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, especially I mean, a lot has changed then. You know, you're, you're working at one of the, largest agencies in the country and now you're doing your own thing with fair folk. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that was huge. That was, um, that was a big stepping point for me. Um, I was a creative director at Hill holiday, uh, working on some pretty big accounts, worked on Cadillac, worked on, you know, Chili's and bank of America and Dunkin Donuts. Um, and that was great. It was a really awesome experience to work on such big accounts. Um, I've been in the industry for, oh geez, probably eight, 18 years now. And I started as a junior designer um, and worked my way up. And I really didn't know too much about advertising, getting into it, you know. So Kevin, can you give us a little bit of background about how you kind of got started into art and then, you know, in design? Was this something that you've always wanted to do? Or is, is this, uh, yeah, how did you, how did you be, become where you are today? your whole life right now in an elevator yeah. really quick go. All right. Yeah. So, um, always into art ever since I can remember. Um, actually, yeah, I, I remember, you know, recently my mom was telling me, cause I have, I have a son now and trying to teach him how to, how to scribble. He's only like a year and three months and it's not going so well, but I'm going to give him some time. But my mom, my mom told me recently that, uh, I think my second grade teacher was like, yeah, I don't know how, but Kevin has this like crazy understanding of perspective. Like kids don't really know how to draw in perspective until they're like, you know, 10 or 12 or something like that. But in, in second grade, my teacher was saying that I knew how to do that. So that was like the first tip off to my parents that, you know, I was a little bit unique as far as art goes. Um, but yeah, since, since I was a kid, super into art. Um, I didn't really know about advertising or design, which is what I do now. But I mean, I think indirectly I knew what it was. I remember uh, taking like my brands uh, and just trying to like recreate, rebrand them, just like draw a totally new logo for them and color it in 10 different ways. Um, Doing that from a super young age. Uh, I was super obsessed with sneakers. So it's always, um, I think at like age 10, just like, Every day I would design like three or four new sneakers. I'm not going to say the brand because uh, New Balance is a huge uh, client of ours. We do a bunch of work for and uh, It was not New Balance. So um, <laughs> I'll just leave that out. Um, but yeah, I, and then I think when I got into high school, I, I still didn't know. I knew I was very into art, but still didn't know what I was going to do with it. Until, um, you know, one day, one of the kids that graduated the year before us, um, came back and was talking all about school, college. And um, he went to UMass Dartmouth and they have a a really good art uh, program there, really good design program too. And he was telling me about it. And up until then, I kind of like, I had this thing where I definitely wanted to pursue art, but I wasn't too sure that I really want to like go and limit myself to just art school. Um, So it was nice to hear that there, you know, schools out there that were pretty well-rounded that also had a really good art program. So I was sold at that point um, and was on my way to UMass Dartmouth to study design. Um, And yeah, so I I studied graphic design and what was at the time known as electronic imaging. And that sounds 
ridiculous to say now. I like will say that to my employees sometimes. They're like, "What? What are you talking about? Electronic imaging?" Um, so at that point, that was basically encompassed web design, uh, 3D animation, 2D animation. Um, I think that's that. But yeah, it was just it was at the beginning of of that stuff, pretty much. So oh, good. Uh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say we're both we're both kind of uh, to your employees old, so that's good. I'm glad we're kind of sharing that same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I remember my first computer being the size of you know my whole desk now. Like I, the idea that I can just, you know, my I think it was an Apple IIe I had, and I remember you know yep. learning some coding to do graphics with that, and you know the idea that I, I was working with probably megabytes versus you know terabytes is oh, kind yeah. of just a yeah. it's just a craziness that I. It still is kind of insane to think about. Yeah, to date ourselves, like my freshman year, the big purchase was like, it, people didn't even own computers at that point in school, really. If you had a computer, it was like kind of crazy. Um, but we had flash drives or zip drives. Yeah. We had these like big, thick, thick discs. It was like one step past the, it was like a bigger form of the, like, I don't know what it was called, that little plastic disc. Flop. Not the floppy, but the next one. Right. Um, but yeah, and they held 200 megabytes and that was like a ton. Yeah. And you buy like these ridiculous, like external drives and you'd like, yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. You have to slide them in there. Yeah. You had to purchase a drive and then a ton of probably like 50 discs. Yeah. I remember, cause I remember I was like, I finally, I, I bought myself a gateway and like, it was not cheap. I mean, hindsight, if I bought that when I paid for that now, I probably could get myself like the top of the line MacBook pro, like with all the kind mm-hmm. of frills on it. Oh yeah. And this thing was just yep. like a hunk of, yeah, it was just a hunk. It sat on my desk. It like, I took up my whole, like half of my apartment, like my, my desk at the dorms. And I was so proud. I was so proud of that thing. But yeah, I, I mean, when I, when I, when I worked, when I finally got like a laptop that was like super powerful, I think I got like a Lenovo and it was, it could do 10 times more than that thing could. It was, my head still spins every day. I mean, I'm definitely going to, that's going to be our, when I was a kid moment. Like we're not saying we walked up both ways, the hill, both ways to school every day, but technology to be yeah. like, I had to wait 45 minutes to download a song that you can now stream on your phone, like on a plane. Like it's crazy. Yeah. We could talk about this for an hour. <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> like realize, could, we yeah. could completely function on just an iPad alone now. Um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Now, the 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 fellow student or the alumni that kind of turned you on to, you know, the world of graphic design, did did you ever does he realize how much of an impact he had on your on your your path? Yeah, I don't know. I um I still keep in touch with him. Uh it's funny like we both we both set up we we ended up going to school together and uh um stayed pretty good friends and he still works in the industry. Um, so yeah, we keep in touch. We actually collaborated on a project a couple of years ago, so it was kind of cool. Well, that is um, cool. but no, I don't know if I ever, I ever, if I ever told him that, so I'll have to reach out. He actually works right around the corner from Trillium, so I'll have to let him know, take a listen to this. Yeah, right. So tip of the cap. Thank you, guy. Fellow, fellow, yeah. fellow alumni. You guys are, yeah, you're doing well for the, uh, the alumni program there, right? You know, love the yeah, mail. there you go. Excellent. Now, how would you describe your you know, your design style or your your aesthetic? You know, it's a cringeworthy word, but I always ask it. So I'm just kind of curious because you you're and again to take a step back, uh, Kevin's yep. company is Fairfolk. Uh, you check him out, Fairfolk.com. But you're more than just a designer and just a you know the design of the labels. It's kind of a, a multimedia you know agency. You're you're doing all sorts of really cool stuff. We just were talking before about the work you're doing with new balance and uh you know the cross and uh you know warrior and so it's a lot of really you can check them out folk fair folk gram on instagram i think that does it's a really cool immersion into you know what they're doing they just launched a new campaign today and so there's a lot of cool stuff there you can really see and it's just while we are going to get into the the trillium stuff i just kind of was it's a it's a lot of different hats you're wearing over there yeah um yeah it's interesting i like one thing I've always tried to do is you said the word aesthetic. Um, I try to make sure that I don't have an aesthetic. Like I don't have a style that whatever I work on, you can tell like that it applies to every brand. Cause I think that's super important. Um, 
when you're a creative and when you're a designer is to be able to adapt and really have a really wide range of styles. Um, cause every brand is different. Every client's different. Every, um, every industry is different. So I've, I've worked on things from, you know, business to business tech companies to hospitals, to fashion, to like athletics do We do a ton of sports stuff right now to craft beer and, you know, craft foods like restaurants, um, from super small local restaurants all the way up to like brands like Chili's and Dunkin' Donuts. Um, like, uh, yeah, like the range of clients is actually pretty fun and amazing. Like to be working on something like Trillium per se, like I started on Trillium and I'll probably get into this more later, but like started working with JC, um, the founder of Trillium probably four or five years before it actually like opened doors. Um, I will, it's a lot, that's a longer story. I will get into that later, but like to work on things like that, like just like an idea that somebody has and then to work on, you know, brands like Cadillac, like producing a $2 million 30 second commercial. is just like ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I always try to make sure that I'm not like staying within the same visual style and just really trying to be adaptive so that whatever the client is, whatever the need is, whatever the audience is, it's, you know, it relates really well. And for something like, like Trillium, um, I really wanted to create a look and feel that stood out um, totally separate from what was going on in the industry at the time. Um, like we took, we drew inspiration from Cook's Illustrated, which is, you know, it's a, I call it high end. It's not really high end, but it's like a, it's a pretty serious like cooking magazine. And the whole book is filled with um, just these beautiful uh, pencil sketches or pen and ink drawings that illustrate rather than like show photographs of people making. So all their instructions are like these really classic traditional looking illustrations. Um, so I drew inspiration from that. That was something that was, that was always around JC's apartment um, when we were hanging out. And uh, we, I would always like just be flipping through and be like, oh, this is such a cool style. So when we started working on this, it was just like obvious, like that's, that's the direction we should go because it just felt, it felt completely right. Um, yeah, I took one question and just rolled it into a few different things that I'm sure we'll touch upon a little bit more. The yeah, Trillium there's... story is, um, yeah, it's, it can be... Um, it can be long-winded, but there's little nuggets like that throughout that are kind of interesting that'll help help shape the story. Yeah, it's free form, so we just kind of go with it, Kev. So it's all good. I cool. know what I, what I like, and I think that's a kind of good takeaway. Um, I, and I, our hope is that some folks who are you know kind of aspiring or in the space will be listening to this, and you know we have folks at different uh, p- places or pinnacles of their career, and to take advice. And I think that's important in an agency style is and even even the rejection factor. I think that's always something that's hard for people, um, you know, is as a, an aesthetic. I think that's a great answer. You know, I've had a younger artist. Yeah. They, they haven't developed one yet and they don't know if they will. You know, they're just trying to find themselves yeah. and through their art and it kind of comes together. But I like that if you look at it working, trying to represent an, a brand or, you know, a concept and you're all over the gamut, you said from IT to, you know, to healthcare to sports, if you have the same look over the place and it doesn't, those are massive brands and it's a very kind of aggressive, you know, doggy dog world, you know, if they don't stand out and they all look the same, you know, you're not trying to have the Kevin Simo line of, you know, healthcare, sports right. and everything. So I think that's, in a way, your aesthetic is the is the adaptiveness, you know, or just being kind of the. That's a classic, you know, importance of a good agency is they're able to bring their clients' yeah. vision to life, and so in a way, that's that's what you're you're doing, and that's I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, and like you just said, like any young designer out there listening, like that's the first thing I look at when I look at a portfolio. You know, we get people reaching out to us, just you know, people that dig our work and say, hey would be super interested in talking to you guys if the job ever came up. Um, first thing I do when I look at their book is just like try to see if there's a good range of stuff. Um, a lot of times there are a lot of times too, you'll, you'll just see like the same look over and over. So 
and that's a little piece of feedback I try and give them just at that point in time. Like, yeah, your stuff is great, but just, you know, keep in mind, try to, try to round it out. Um, but yeah, definitely the first thing I look forward, uh, look for and, uh, super important. Yeah. I, I think that in some lines, it's good to have a, you know, the same style, but yeah, obviously when you branch out and I mean, especially the, the level of work that you, you guys are doing, I think that, it can't be, you know, it can't be cookie cutter. And so I think that's important. And yeah, what, what you guys, no, that's, are, yeah, that's a super important note too. Um, yeah. When you develop a brand like, like Trillium or whatever, um, keeping a, developing a style that you can replicate over and over and, and just a look, um, is super key. So yeah, have diversity, but also know like when you do create a style that you can just, that it has legs. Um, when, developing the trillion the original trillium labels we've got a few different lines now um like there's the traditional label where it's always an illustration on the left and type on like the right and center um that was the first system that i created and i wanted to do something that just kind of like switched up like how people look at um look at the art i love the idea that you can turn the can or originally turn the bottle and see only the illustration and see no type at all I thought that was really cool and different. Um, but then you can also turn it and just see all type or see like a nice 50, 50. Um, and I knew like I, I went through a few iterations before landing upon this one, um, that whatever it is, like, this is going to be tricky. I need to make, I flesh it out, um, and try this across a series of beers and not just say, Oh, here's like four point pale ale. Um, with this lantern illustration that works because it's really vertical and it's a really narrow space to illustrate in. So that, that is a, a kind of a challenge to illustrate in that, just that left side. Um, but I had to test it out and make sure that that wasn't too limiting, um, that I could replicate it over and over. And like, that was enough space to tell a bit of a story. And, um, another but cool thing that's, that I love just, I love Instagram. I love seeing people taking photos of stuff. I'll every couple of days, I'll try and go on there and search the Trillium hashtag and just like, like everybody that's posting pictures of Trillium. It's just like, it's so fun to see that. But what's really fun about it is like, there's so many different ways of, of shooting, you know, beers, shooting cans, shooting art. Um, and to see people like get a little creative about it, you know, like say, uh, headroom is released or something and like people will like line up all their headroom beers with just just that um, that switchboard you know facing out that illustration facing out so it's just like this wall of illustration which is super cool um, yeah it's just it's fun to um, to have something that lets people kind of on their end on like in, with photography uh, just have some fun exploring and shoot it in their own way yeah, I think the the Instagram beer selfie is is really another kind of aspect of it that has really been exciting to see. You know, I definitely people will have their kind of their their little style how they like to do it. And it's kind of cool because that's your art and it's out there and now once it's in their hands it becomes their it's their art. Yeah. It's their art Absolutely. and they decide how to how to you know that's like we spoke to somebody and they said, I mean, and it's, it's beautiful. And it's and the thing about it is right. Cause there's this beautiful piece of art, but it's on an object that is not really long-term. Like someone's not keeping that long-term versus, you know, maybe, you know, sneakers or your car, you know, that's something you have for a long period of time or, you know, you're associated with a brand. So that like, you have that beautiful can. And then as soon as you're finished, what's inside of it, you know, majority of the time it mm -hmm. gets thrown out. So it's like these mini, quick little art shows and so i think the photographs have been kind of yeah. a cool little way to capture those memories yeah no that's great that's that's a solid point um i have seen on instagram some people like peel the label off that's the nice thing about the trillium labels like they peel off perfectly and stay preserved uh, but people like put them up on things like cover the side of their fridge it's kind of cool to see that that people like love the labels, love the artwork that much that they do want to keep it, like keep this thing that typically people will, you know, recycle. Um, but going to that, you mentioned like, this is such a temporary thing um, in, in design in advertising, like so few things are, are not temporary. Um, but I, that's the thing that draws me to uh, packaging design the most. It's like, 
you can design a print ad or TV commercial, not design it, you know, create a TV commercial or like banner ads or whatever. Um, but everything like the most tangible thing I think is like, is packaging. Like it's so cool to be able to design something and go somewhere, go out into the world, go to the grocery store, the liquor store, um, and see, uh, you know, this physical representation of what you created, what you spent your time on. So that like, it's, it's one of the more rewarding things to me is like packaging design. And I know a couple other guys here kind of shame, uh, share that same sentiment. Um, there's just something about it that gives you this, this sense of satisfaction that, you know, as much as we love designing and creating all the other things that we do, like there's something about it that just seems so cool. And I think it is because you can, you can pick it up and hold it and turn it and look at it. And it is this physical, this physical thing. Now, do you remember your first, like package good or your first thing that came off the line? Like the first time you saw something and said like, you know, I, that's me. Like, I know I did that. Yeah. Um, trying to think the absolute first one, but, um, I've done a lot of packaging over the years. Um, I do. So one, my first job, so I going back in my, the course of my career, I started off, um, at a, advertising agency in Providence called Nail, and it was awesome. Um, they're pretty new. I think they'd only been around for six months at the time that I started, and I was their fifth hire. Um, so it's like similar position to where Fair Folk is right now. Um, we're five people right now, and I always look, look back on those times and think about how like, excited I was to be part of this company that's like fresh and young and growing, and there's like a lot on the horizon just wondering where it's going to go. I, I think about that now is where fair folk is and like how my employees feel about it and how much pride they take in it. But anyway, now love you guys. If you ever hear this, you're the best. Um, so yeah, we had this client um, called sublime hard lemonade and they had been out for like two years, maybe, maybe even a year. And they had this affiliation with the band sublime and at that time, they basically just took the album co uh, cover and put it on a label. And they said, this is, you know, Sublime Hard Lemonade. This is, uh, you know, Tangerino or whatever the flavor was. Um, they had three different flavors. <clears throat> and for them, it was working, but it felt like a novelty brand. And um, we wanted to, they were getting good traction. So we wanted to take them beyond that, make them like, make Sublime mean something else other than the brand, you know, make it stand for their alcohol stand for their beverage. Um, so we rebranded them, made some really beautiful packaging for them, uh, made a logo that definitely like tied back to its roots, but it was its own thing that had like a new life. Um, and I do remember like the first time, you know, going to the liquor store and seeing that uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Like there's other people kind of wandering past it and looking at it, picking it up and, and, you know, checking it out. So it's cool to see that in a store. And um, I think the second thing I think uh, second packaging project I did was for a totally opposite, opposite brand um, King Arthur flour. So like the baking flour, it's it, at the time was like the oldest brand at like the oldest actual registered brand in the country. So pretty opposite to sublime hard lemonade. Um, but that was, uh, rebranding them. We actually cleaned up their logo a little bit, their logo they had had for, I mean, they had an iteration of it for 200 years, but the one they had been using was just starting to feel a little bit dated. We wanted to maintain that like traditional classic, uh, feel, but clean it up a little bit. Like you see, you've probably noticed like over the course of the years, like how Starbucks logo has evolved. It was that same kind of thing. Like, Let's tighten it up, clean it up, simplify it just a little bit. And when someone sees it, they don't notice that anything's different, but it just registers a little bit quicker. So that project, I did, I did that. We cleaned up the logo um, and then refreshed their flower bags. And they still use that same one. Again, it was kind of like the thing, like you look at it and yeah, that feels like the same King Arthur that's always been around, but it was just creating a bigger consistency across their whole range of products. And then beyond that, we did this whole um, series of quick mixes. So it was like brownies, scones, things like that. 
um, which is actually a little bit interesting story because that was, even though I've always been into illustration and painting, um, things like that, I never considered myself an illustrator. And for these quick mixes for King Arthur Flower, I was challenged with a pretty tight budget and wanted to, I was like trying to find an illustrator that could do some really nice paintings of each one of these. So King Arthur Flower has like a really uh, strong heritage. They've got that 200 years um, of existence. And I wanted that to come through in the art. And this is actually really, uh, now that I think about it, it compares pretty well to, to the aesthetic of Trillium. Um, wanted to create something that wasn't, it stood out on the shelves against everything else. Everybody else was using really like um, high contrast, bright, saturated uh, photography um, of these like really delicious looking, you know, brownies and stuff with the drizzle on top. But I wanted to create something that just like had that craft feel to it. That gives someone a feeling like, oh, when I make these brownies from this batch, like it's feel like handcrafted. Like I really made these from scratch because it's King Arthur flower, you know, like that's what they stand for. So um, in searching for illustrators, I wasn't exactly finding the aesthetic that I wanted to. I found a few that were pretty good, but I had this picture in my mind of what it should be. So I, one night at home, I just dusted off the old uh, paints and tried doing a couple iterations of paintings that would that are in this aesthetic um, that I had in mind. And came in the next day and like was showing my bosses like, oh, here's these different illustrators. And I had scanned this in and put it alongside the rest of them. They're like, yeah, these are all great. Like those two over there are pretty cool. And um, I'm like, yeah, like I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable showing these to the client. And they're like, where did you get all these? Who is this one? Who's that one? And the last one, I was like, yeah, that one actually I did myself. And they're like, oh, geez, like, let's just do that. Let's push for that. So did the same thing the next day for the client, kind of showed them the range of illustration style and, um, they were kind of leaning between two and my boss like chimed in and was like, yeah, well, Kevin did these ones and like we could kind of own this look. And they were like, yeah, well, let's definitely go with that one. So that was like the start of actually like illustrating something for, um, for packaging and for something that I use in like commercial use in my, in my regular job. And throughout my career, I've probably done it you know, a handful of times, like actually either paint or illustrate something uh by hand to to incorporate into something that i designed on the computer yeah i love the what i love about that story is that it wasn't like it was the subtlety of you brought it you kind of worked it into the others you know it wasn't like hey boss look what i did like if he didn't like that that would have kind of just gone on the cutting room floor and you would have been off to the meeting with yeah. the other ones oh yeah yeah absolutely i was a little bit scared actually that they did like it and they wanted to use it and because I just didn't, I hadn't painted in a couple of years, so I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to replicate it and 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 do it the way that you know I wanted to do it at the highest level I could. But after doing a few of them, um, definitely got in the groove, and I think in total there are like 30 different packages, so 30 different paintings, um, and it got progressively better over time. So yeah, it worked out pretty well, and it, it's actually a pretty similar story with Trillium. Um, I talked about earlier the um, that Cooks Illustrated like crosshatch uh, pen and ink or pencil style illustration. Uh, originally, when presenting this idea to JC, like I really wanted to create that style. Um, I, I said we should look for some illustrators because I certainly can't can't illustrate in this kind of detail. And he was like, Yeah, I don't know. Down the road, we're going to be like having to jam out, uh, you know, different labels like pretty quick turnarounds. I don't know that we'll be able to find somebody that will be like always available and like that could get kind of expensive. He's like, I think you could probably pull it off. I was like, come on, man. Like I've, I've never drawn in this style before. He's like, yeah, just try it. I think you can do it. So yeah, sure enough. Like after trying it a few times, got the hang of it. And um, I'd say after, I don't know how many years it's been now, like six years of drawing these things, like, I can, I can say I'm like now, like finally in the groove, like, um, yeah, having some fun with these collaboration beers that we're doing. 
Yeah. Because they're like, they're so different than the traditional Trillium illustrations that are a little bit more traditional subject, you know, really, um, really a lot cleaner and sophisticated. And we've really been pushing the envelope uh, with the collaboration just because I, I want to keep the aesthetic of the Trillium brand intact and um, keep it pretty refined and clean and, and traditional feeling, but uh, doing a collaboration elaborate, uh, allows us to just like borrow from the personality of the, the brewery that we're working with. So I think you probably remember the, the one we just did with the veil, um, adult, <laughs> adult human. Um, that one is definitely my favorite by far so far. Um, it was just that one. I, I, when I put together the photo comp of it, Side note, that's what I always do. I always start with a photo, either something I find on the internet and manipulate a little bit to be unique from the original or cobble together a few pieces that I find on the internet. Or actually, most of the time now, I'll just go out and shoot something. Um, there's an illustration that you may have seen yesterday on Instagram. Um, that was, you know, Sam, who works with me here at Fairfolk, who went out and uh, he hopped on his old roommate's scooter and I took some pictures of him and just threw that in the computer and I, you know, manipulated that a little bit and then illustrated from that. Um, but yeah, back to collaborations, like the, the veil, um, just taking on the personality have, and usually they have some pretty well, well, subject matter, wild colors that they use, um, really interesting, uh, style that they do. So, just from a, a brewing perspective and from just like naming and art, like all that, we just like, that's where we just go crazy and have fun and it totally comes through. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the collaboration. Yeah. Even Val, we, you know, we interviewed uh, Tim who does their work down there and I, I find yeah. it, I just find it interesting because I, I want another thing I love to go back to the traditional Trillium labels and it's a subtly that's not lost on me is the, the dark or the white is the, you know, the darker, the, at least with the bottles, I remember very vividly. If it was a stout or a porter, it was the, the dark color of the label. And, you know, if it was a, a lighter beer, you know, an IPA or a Saison, it was the, you know, had that, um, I don't want to say, it's, now it's white, but it's more of a, the, you know, the off-white color from the past. So mm -hmm. I, I just uh, really, that always stood out to me. You know, you're talking about being clean and just the, the subtlety of it. You know, it was just a nice... It was it was just really nice differentiation. It wasn't um, aggressive. It was just really kind of just it just made it just made sense. It was a I think it was a subtle because in your I think in your head it was, you knew what it, what it was saying, but it wasn't saying like hey you know it was never like a, you know a glowing arrow pointing type of a thing. You know it was really yeah that, that was never lost. I really I really enjoyed that. And we are back. You're listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode number 31, part one, featuring Kevin Simo of Fair Folk and of Trillium Brewing fame. I love talking about the different breweries, and we've been doing this now, like I said, we're up to episode 31, and that's really exciting. Still in shock that we're doing it. The feedback we've been getting has been great. Speaking of different artists, as we work to record and then we also proactively look to lock down other artists for future episodes it's been a really great process but in you know in speaking to kevin right he's talking about veil and we got you know tim skirvin over there who we talked to he you know will later on uh, talk about some of the collaborations that he's done with other breweries you know they've done stuff with other half and omni polio uh, carl grandin who we recently interviewed uh teaser that's going to be a great episode that might be our second two-parter prairie monkish i mean they're just definitely it's really great and what i love about you know following along on social um you can also see like, on fair folk that they're you know having fun i love the black and white especially when they decide to go with color it really pops out but uh trillium and just kind of that whole crew of folks that they've you know become friends with you can see that the breweries are having fun they look forward to collaborating and working on different styles to each other with each other you know going to visit and so i love to to hear that you know when when kevin's talking about it from 
design perspective that he really enjoys it also that he really you know takes some enjoyment out of that and it was really just great to see you know it's a genuine enjoyment of what he's doing you know his friendship again with, with jc and esther to to be part of that to give some historical you know legacy to the ideas or how things you know were, were brought to life uh, drawing inspiration from cooks illustrated you know, we threw up some pictures from cooks on our instagram account so you can kind of see how how that evolved which is really cool to see and you know being a nerd that we are we got liked by cooks illustrated on the post and so that was really cool and it's just really it's really an experience because a lot of times you know business whether it be a small business owner or you know whatever it is it's business at the end of the day and you're trying to you know work hard you're trying to find that balance and the you know the ultimate goal is, you know, work-life balance where you kind of, it, it blends into each other and sometimes you don't necessarily notice because you're having a good time. I know that when we're doing this, you know, you're putting in a lot of late hours, but it definitely, definitely doesn't matter because, you know, a couple extra cups of coffee the next day and they hear folks say that they really enjoyed it or that they got introduced to somebody they never heard about before or just to hear a good story about you know, your favorite beers and how they you know became to be and we've also gotten some really cool feedback from up and coming artists you know folks who are doing some different stuff or at different points of their career and to get feedback from some you know big players in the space you know they're it's really exciting but with that there is a great level of humility and kindness and genuineness you know even kevin giving some feedback about what he looks forward to in a portfolio if i was working on my portfolio and i was about to go present it to somebody I would do a double or triple take and look, am I really presenting only one theme that's only kind of be slightly modified you know, across different concepts before I would uh, hand in something. So, you know, stay tuned, you know, listen, enjoy. We've got a lot more where it's coming from. We're going to get into it, going to learn about the story. And you're listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode number 31, part one. Kevin Simo, let's get back to it. Here we go. Yeah, so going back to like when we were first messing around with this idea, um, actually, I'll go back even further. So J.C. Tetro, he's the, um, him and his wife Esther, they're the founders of Trillium. Trillium was basically born out of um, J.C. He was really into brewing beer, but he is also, he bites off some pretty big um, goals. And they were having their wedding down in Connecticut at, um, at a vineyard. And the vineyard was serving their, their wine. And he wanted to, um, he was a, a home brewer at the time. He wanted to brew all the beer for the wedding. So the vineyard would supply the wine and he would supply all the beer. And JC was on the more conservative side as far as drinking goes compared to everybody else's. We're, like, we're in our mid-20s. Um, he he was uh yeah we were like all my buddies there were like five or six of us living in one house in Roslindale, um which is part of Boston and JC was living in the neighboring town Jamaica Plain in like this super adult apartment and it was just like from from that time on we like we knew he was like a completely different kind of guy um we would have parties at our house with like you know 30 packs of you know Miller Lite or whatever and he would, and it was just like grab a beer out of the bucket of, you know, ice of beers. And his kind of party would be like, oh, I, I made sushi today. And why don't you guys come over and I'll make some really fancy cocktails or we can try the cider that I made. Um, much different level, even at, uh, even at that age. So um, just a little background on him. But yeah, he, um, he had this idea that he wanted to brew all the beer for his wedding. And so with that in mind, like he has had a little different take on consumption than we did. Uh, we were all kind of like, dude, do you know how much beer you're going to have to brew? He's like, yeah, I think I have an idea. And we're like, well, whatever it is, like double it. He's like, no, no, I've got it figured out. And he like kind of ran it by us and we're like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, that's, that's the right amount of beer. If you think you can brew that by, by the time, the wedding comes around. That's, that's great. Go for it. Um, so for that, he brew, um, it actually was named pot and kettle, but at that time it was a stout. Um, it is now a pot, a porter. 
Um, he did um, Stonington, which was a pale ale. And then what was the other one? I think it was just Trillium, which is really similar to what Trillium is right now. Oh, no, no, it wasn't Trillium. It was Bumble, which was like a honey wet beer. Uh, so for the, for the wedding, he didn't just want to brew his own beer, but he wanted to come up with a name for this beer and create packaging for this beer just, just for the wedding. So we did a lot of research on, you know, labeling and getting labels printed, but that was like, that was the simplest thing of the whole thing. Like we spent months just trying to name the beer. Um, Originally, we threw out names like Coupe de Tetro, which is like Tetro's last name. Right. Um, and eventually, we arrived on Trillium, which right from the moment he said it, I was like, that is awesome. I don't know what it is, but I love it. Um, and he gave me a little bit of background on, on the name itself. He was like, well, he's always been into horticulture. Um, his parents have a really beautiful garden on their property down in um the south coast of Massachusetts, um, and he like his dad's really into into growing um, hot peppers. He's, they've got a lot of different crops, but um, but yeah, one of the things he was drawn to as a child was the trilling flower. There was something about the symmetry of it. You know, there's three petals, there's three leaves, and those three leaves down the stalk of the plant, there's three tiers of these sets of three leaves something about tree in it that obviously inspired someone to name it Trillium, uh, name the flower Trillium. And um, he thought it would be really nice and fitting to call this, this brand Trillium. Um, he's got um, like French Canadian roots. This plant is uh, native to this area and also um, parts of Ontario. So just, there's a lot of things that kind of led to this, this name just making sense to him. And it just was, it's a, beautiful sounding name. Uh, it's a beautiful flower. And we, um, he came to my office, um, one, a couple of nights actually. And we just sat down together and, um, actually on my own, I was like working through di- different iterations of it. But the night that we like finalized it, like he came and I think I had just been tinkering with the flower icon itself. Um, I originally was working with more like really clean graphic symmetrical lines that, made up a flower almost like a it looked kind of like a, a gaelic um symbol uh, he was like no 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 it's got to be like a lot more like organic looking because i wanted to like ladder up to this idea of craft so again just like pulling imagery that he had taken of you know trillium flowers and um put them on the computer and just kind of trying to illustrate them in adobe illustrate until we got that shape that was one super clean and two, um, still felt really loose and organic. Um, so that's how that came to be. And then from there, we just created those three different labels, uh, which we went a few rounds of doing that um, until we got it right. But those labels, it was a much different style at that point. Um, it was more like a screen printed, um, like woodcut illustration style. And it wasn't for maybe another couple of years where we moved over to so actually, yeah, after that wedding, he was in a couple of different local brewing uh, organizations and um, they saw what he had created for his wedding. They're like, dude, you, that's looking like pretty legit. You should think about maybe doing this uh, for real. And he brushed it off at first, but over time, it just kind of got to him and eventually he decided that it needed to be done. So, um I was actually, I had moved out to San Diego for a couple of years and that's where I really like developed this little feel of just like talking to him on the phone and the email and stuff back and forth. Um, we kind of honed in on it and it wasn't, I actually moved back like a month after, uh, he, I don't know, a month before he opened the doors, um, to Trillium for the first time in Fort Point. So it was kind of, kind of cool. Good timing. Yeah. Right. I think, yeah, for his wedding, I know the stress I had to go through to make sure our wedding was, uh, as is, and uh, I can only imagine having to basically launch a like a it's a nano, like a nano brewery, nano brewery in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. Uh, it has been said many times that he was a groomzilla. He was uh, <laughs> everything had to be completely right. He is super into details. Um, made a lot of stuff himself. Uh, 
the cake stands. I think he like him and his dad cut down a tree to like make these really cool rustic, um, like just like you see like uh, side tables that are made of logs. Um, he made these really awesome like multi-tiered cake stands out of like really thin and thick, varying degrees of thickness um, tree stumps cut up into pieces. So it was pretty cool. But yeah, every little detail about that wedding was uh was was right on excellent uh, yeah right down to the beer his feedback yeah his feedback for your designs must definitely like we were talking before about you know being able to take take feedback and you know roll with it that definitely yeah you definitely probably got a good amount of feedback from him yeah yeah he doesn't hold back that's uh one thing that i really appreciate about him uh he can he has the ability to say like nope you're doing it wrong do it this way like he's really into cooking um over the years, he'd have, like I mentioned before, a lot of dinner parties, and we'd all go over there, like, in the afternoon, and just, like, the party was, like, let's let's watch JC prep the food, cook the food, and then we'll eat the food. The whole time we'll be, like, drinking different beer. Um, and we'd all try to, like, help out, like, lend a hand doing something. Be like, oh, here, do this and do it this way and we'll start doing it. He's like, no, 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 move aside. You got to do it like this. Um, always love that about him. Super straightforward and like makes, makes it fun, makes a joke out of it. But yeah, he knows the right way to do it. He's, he's figured out the right way to do a lot of things and he has no problem telling you how to do it. Um, and yeah, the feedback portion of, of um, the back and forth that we have with every label, you know, originally like in the beginning it was, it was, you know, a lot of back and forth, getting things fine tuned, but we've gotten to the point now where we just know each other super well. And I mean, we knew each other very well then. Um, but now it's just like, I used to come up with 10 different iterations of a label and be like, Hey man, what do you think of these? Which one do you want to go with? And now it's just like, Hey, I spent a lot of time doing a bunch of variations, but this is the one we should go with. And he's like, yep, do it. And throw out a big thumbs up emoji. Um, <laughs> So we're we're pretty we're pretty fine tuned. Yeah. Now, before you talked about there's the different styles of the label, um, mm-hmm. and, and it, those you have the traditional kind of to the to the left. Now, and you have the the bird the bird series, and then I mean, what what would be the third? Would you consider that the the barrels, or would that be the collaborations? How do you how are you defining the three different styles? Yeah. So there's the the original like we originally were planning on only creating unique illustrations for the top beers that we would definitely replicate year after year. Um, but we kind of just like one, like things changed. Like we got into a habit or Sean got into a habit of like, just wanted to crank out more and more beer and just trying to create a big variety of beers. And then too, like people, people were loving the beer. So like rather than having this original core of like four beers, the core end up being like 12 and then end up being 20. So we always go back and revisit those things. So any beer that has, that we see as being, having a potential of coming back uh, more like over and over again, we wanted to create an original illustration for, but we knew that there would be a lot of like experimenting and creating beers that um, would have a lot of variations to it. Um, so we wanted to create like a template series. So the original one was, um, anything wild that we would ferment in barrels um, or age in barrels um, would have that barrel illustration. But then we started doing, you know, um, like clean fermentation in steel tanks. So then we had to do an illustration for that vessel. So there's like varying different degrees of uh, those template beers. Um, and we even sometimes do like wild beers that were, um, aged in like a barrel that we already have a look for. So like wild sinister kid, we'll throw it on that, that templated look. Um, Cause it just, we use a different kind of paper for that. We use this paper that's called estate nine. It's got a really nice tooth to it. It's got a nice feel. It's something that we can't do on all the labels because we bottle this at one point and then package uh, label it at a later time. So we let it sit and age in the bottle for a little bit. And then at that point, the, the bottle is completely dry. Uh, so we're able to put on that paper label that doesn't react too well to water. Um, 
so that's one one big thing there but yeah we have a bunch of different templates that we've now created there's the um, permutation series that one we that's a super experimental um series of beers that i i love like every single one of them i have is is my favorite one of the permutation series they just keep getting better and better um it's it's so fun to try those but that one we knew we wanted to have this more scientific look to it so we created like um we're printing those on like a metallic label and laying ink over it so the metallic feel only pops through in the logo and in the copper type so we lay like copper colored ink over it to create that copper effect but with that one um we actually just changed up a little bit now we're we're aging those in all different vessels so we'll put a little icon on the side it's a little illustration of either like one of their massive fooders um or a barrel or like a large barrel or even like a steel tank oh so there's like a there's yeah there's like a, a shorthand to it too i like that yeah like you're looking at yeah, so you look- can look at those. Yeah, if you look at those, you can tell by like turning the label to the side. Like, oh, this is what that was aged in. And it's just part of like helping educate people about our process a little bit too. You know, um, I think that's what's interesting too about having the different vessels on the um, on the labels is it, it lets people know, um, you know, the time and what kind of like what kind of process this was that it went through to get here. Um, there's a, they just, uh, they've been going crazy, uh, on their fooder program. I assumed that I, I didn't know what a fooder was until one day these massive, massive, um, wooden like Oak vessels showed up at Trillium. Actually, JC was like sending me pictures of them before they showed up. The first experience I had was, uh, when it showed up at Trillium and he was like, yeah, this thing, it, I can't remember how many gallons it is but it's insane. Um, he's like, yeah, we're going to put these up there on that mezzanine. We're going to have eight of them. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, they had to seriously um, put some new structure in underneath that mezzanine to support these things. Cause it's an insane amount of li- uh, liquid sitting up there. Um, but they're, yeah, just to give a little background, not to hang too long. I've been on Trillium for a while here. I don't know if that's all right with you. Uh, but they're, uh, they're, I'm just going to pull up these notes. I wrote this down the other day when talking to JC. So they, they have, um, two facilities in Canton now when he first moved down there. Um, uh, originally the Port Point location is only 2,200 square feet, which is tiny. Um, and from there they moved up to what we thought was massive space at the time. It, it's, um, I believe like 16,000 square feet. Um, which he grew out of in probably six months. He realized like, okay, this is not big enough at all. So they took over a neighboring building up in Canton. And I think they're up to like, that one may be like 45,000 square feet. Either that or they're at 45,000 square feet in total. I don't know, but it's like so much space up there now, but it's still already like gotten really, really tight. But fooders are these massive wooden, um, I keep saying vessel, but it's just like something that you can put a bunch of um, beer in and age it on. And it'll take on characteristics of that, of that wood. And also it gives it a much different um, fermentation process. So let me see, I'm just pulling up the stats um, on how much liquid he actually has in his, let's see here. And that's one of the things why you, why you look for that. One of the things I do love, I mean, and also hate about the craft beer explosion is the sometimes the, the difficulty to, to get beer. And while Trillium, you know, you've probably had some, a lot more of the limited releases than I have, but th- those have become difficult to get um, for the average consumer. Yeah. But if I walk into Trillium, and I've only been uh, a couple times, I've actually only been to the smaller location, which was amazing to me, the amount of beer they had and just being like crammed up against the wall so in and of itself that was amazing and i could walk out with cases of beer i bought way way too much it was just i it was shocking to me the first time i went because i was able to walk in and then i could walk out with cases of some of my favorite beers and so that was that was amazing to me in in and of itself to your point of where they're always just kind of cranking it out i think that's one of the beautiful things about it 
it's one thing to get the the label or the brand recognition, but then to not be able to get the product has you know there's that fine line, that kind of teetering. And I, I think that Trillium's accessibility, while still putting out a high level of a product, is one of the things that's always drawn me to that. I mean, my my favorite from them is is Congress Street. So I mean, that's people. Mm-hmm. I just love the fact that you know if, if it's there, I can get you know a case plus of it, and so that's always that's the kind of that's one of my favorite things about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny. They're, they're pretty unique in a way like people can get frustrated with it because they're really hard to find. I think they only, they only distribute, they self distribute and they don't distribute that much. Um, people are frustrated that they don't distribute that often, but the problem with distribution, they, they tried originally to, to get more distribution out there, but they kept finding that if they, they were sending more beer out to restaurants and to liquor stores, but they were starting to run out like by the end of the week. So people would show up at their door in, in Fort point and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm like out of that beer now. Like they would be running out of beer, which you just can't have. Um, so they just kind of, they created this demand for it and have been able to get a lot of people going to their door, which is crazy. It doesn't really work that way for a lot of different breweries. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kept working. So they don't have much distribution because like all the beer they make, they can like, they barely make enough to supply everybody that comes to their door, you know? So it's, it's pretty unique. It's pretty cool. Um, but going back to, so this is crazy. Like what you're talking about, about, you know, the demand and how you can only get certain, like say there's some wild beer, some sour beer that like, you have to limit them because like people, people want these things and they would buy cases of them if they could. You want, you want to make sure that it gets out there and people who want these things can get their hands on. Um, so he's seriously ramping up the, um, their fooder system. So the ones that you see down in, um, in Canton, like above the, if you go in there and you go to, uh, the bar that looks out on, actually there's two bars that look out on to, um, you know, the production line. Uh, if you go to the one where all the cans and bottles and look up, there's these fooders up on the mezzanine. Those ones are the small fooders, believe it or not. Um, I can't remember how many gallons those things hold, but they have these large fooders now. I think those one, those small ones might be maybe a thousand gallons. I could be wrong, um, but they have these large fooders that are probably two or three times that size. They're up at the um, up the street at their other building. Um, they hold like one of those fooders hold 3000 gallons of fluid, which is just nuts. So 3000 gallons of liquid equals 32,000, 12 ounce beers. So that's just insane. So then multiply that to say has 11 of those giant 3000 gallon fooders and they have 16 of the smaller ones, which are not small at all. Um, so doing the math, that's roughly 50,000 gallons of beer that, they're almost, they're almost all full right now. So 50,000 gallons of aging beer that, you know, they're in there for anywhere between one and two years. Um, so that's going to, that's going to do that job of like making sure everybody who wants this stuff can get it. Um, everything before, like they've got, they've probably got hundreds of, um, barrels just at the second, um, location up the street. Um, but they just weren't enough. Um, but anyway, so that just within the fooders alone, that's almost a half a million, 12 ounce beers. So it's that'll ins- be ready sometime in the yeah. next year or two. It's, right. it's nuts. It's so sit, yeah. Just sit on that. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yes. I, I agree. Cause I, I, when we get to try them there, like I said, everything I've had from them is, has been excellent, but um, and even yeah, just looking at the work you're doing with fair folk, right. That you work on a campaign for nine months, but you know, to imagine working on an ad and not releasing it for a year and a half to two years, and it, it ages differently. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to correlate yeah. that to design, but just like, a, you know, you're putting on a, a high processing filter and waiting a year and a half to see how it comes out. I don't know, but yeah, and you never know. Yeah, it could be like turned to complete junk, <laughs> which actually doesn't it doesn't happen that often. You know, but it's there. There's been times where something just it doesn't work out the way that you want to, and you just kind of have to adjust and uh, 
do something different with it than you originally had planned. And there we have it, folks. The legendary story of Mr. and Mrs. Trillium and now deciding to undergo a massive undertaking gave us the gift. It's like when you go to a wedding, you get a really cool gift. You don't get like one of those like tchotchke things that breaks before you get out of the door. Their wedding gift to us was Trillium. So we thank you for that. We love the fact that we can get as much beer as possible. My wife doesn't appreciate that as much sometimes. Coming home with cases of beer. But the idea is that with craft beer, one of the great things about the community, we talked about before about the collaborations, is to be good sharers. So it's good life lessons. You get good beer, you share it. As was discussed earlier, good beer, good wine, good food. You share it with your friends. It brings you together. Helps build a little community. And so, whatever your libation is, whatever your poison, not actual poison, obviously. You may be an IPA, a Saison guy, stout, porter. I'm pretty sure the Trillium's got you. I'd really like to hear that the fooders will make some of those sour and special fermenting beers a little more accessible to us non-locals. But they're doing a damn good job. So, really having a good time. Really enjoyed doing this one. Had so much content, like I said, that we decided we were just not going to chop anything up. Nothing's hitting the cutting room floor. It was a hard decision to make. I'm really excited to be saying we're wrapping up part one of episode 31. But we'll be coming back to you with episode two. So hopefully you can listen to this out of order. You might get the spoilers and the reverse engineer the how. But either way, you're listening to us here at the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is Goddess. Episode 1, 21, 14, 18, episode 31, part 1 or 2 is AJ. We come to you each and every week. Reggae Fridays. 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Crafting Podcast. One thing that we will ask of you is a small favor. If you like what you hear, we thank you. If you're going to do a common gesture, you head over to iTunes. Kevin talk about his colleagues and employees over there with such enthusiasm and happiness was really exciting to hear and so thank you all for doing what you're doing thank you for listening this brings us to the end of episode 31 part one now hit pause or stop and then go download or click on the other one oh yep it should start in a second it's going to start all right episode 31 Part two is going to start in a second. Okay, here goes.